0: Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Center Point Fellowship, and I want to wish all the dads in the room happy Father's Day. Today, I've got a challenge for men, and it comes right out of some, an amazing uh, set of stories out of the Old Testament uh, in the book of Numbers. We're in a series where we're looking at this Old Testament book, but uh, the idea behind this message and it being a challenge is something that uh, it goes back to the very nature of how men are wired. A hundred years ago, there was a man by the name of Ernest Shackleton who wanted to conduct the first ever trans-Antarctic trek. They would travel all the way across Antarctica via the South Pole from one sea to another. And he recruited, he was looking for 56 men who were willing to make this trip. And he put an ad in the newspaper. And here's the ad. Here's what it said. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor, and recognition in case of success. He was looking for 56 men worldwide who'd respond. Over 5,000 did. And you go, what? Why would you respond to that? Because men, we're looking for a challenge. We're looking for purpose. We're looking for meaning. We're looking to make a difference. I want to tell all the men in the room today, and by the way, women, this will all apply to you too. This is biblical truth, but I'm going to apply it to men because it's Father's Day. God has a, plan for each one of us. And when we follow some of the principles that are in this lesson today, purpose and meaning are there in abundance. But you'll see from the life of two men, Joshua and Caleb, their journey wasn't easy. At times it was hazardous, life-threatening even. And at times it would have appeared there was little chance of success. But they were faithful and that's why they're honored in the Bible. You're in for a treat today. You're in for a challenge today. Happy Father's Day. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to look at your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And Lord, I thank you that your word encourages us where we need encouragement, and it challenges us where we need to be challenged. I pray that today you will challenge every man within the sound of my voice. You've challenged me as I put this lesson together, and Lord God, I pray that you would remind us of the things that are important for us to adhere to. I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way, teach us some wonderful lessons from the life of Joshua and Caleb. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. If you haven't been with us in this series on Numbers, the book of Numbers takes place uh, as the Israelites' journey from the land of Egypt to the Promised Land. They were in slavery in Egypt for hundreds of years. God rescued them for a, through a series of miraculous plagues, and the Egyptians let them go and showered them with the riches of Egypt on their way out. They camped at Mount Sinai, got the Ten Commandments, and then made their journey toward the Promised Land. The odd thing was, when they got to the promised land, even though God was guiding them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, even though God provided their food miraculously through manna in the desert, and God had taken care of everything they needed and protected them from every enemy, when they got to the promised land and scouted it out, they found out that there were some very large people living in the land, and a number of the spies who'd been sent out, the majority of the spies who'd been sent out said, it's too hard, we can't take it, we've got to turn around and go back to Egypt. And so God punished those spies who had lied, and he punished the people who agreed with them and wanted to go back. And so, if you're familiar with the biblical account, for the next 40 years, the people of Israel had to wander around in the desert before they could try again to go into the promised land. God had punished them one year for each day the spies had gone into the land. And they weren't able to go in, their children were. But they were never able, that generation. Uh, died never seeing the promise that, they had, that God had offered them because they weren't willing to take it. With that background, we can jump into point one. The story is now we've jumped 45 years into the future. All the wandering is over. There's been battles like the Battle of Jericho and others that have taken place. And now they're finally settling the land. And Joshua, one of the two faithful men, is in charge of distributing the land. And Caleb, the other faithful spy who'd come up, he was, willing, he was asking for his inheritance. You'll understand more as we go along. Point one is that Joshua and Caleb were men of convictions, by the way. Men of convictions. Well, the Israelites divided the land just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and said to him, "'You know what the Lord said to Moses, Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. "'I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land.' And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. It's 45 years later. Caleb is coming. I've hung on to the promise of God. Now I'm here to get my section of the land. And the reason God had rewarded me is because I stood by my convictions. His convictions were, by the way, that God would rescue them and bring them into the promised land. When he and Joshua had done that, the rest of the spies turned against them. There had been 12. There were just two of them. And all the people turned against them. That's the life application there. In order to stand for our convictions, sometimes it means standing against the majority. Back in Numbers, as we read the other week, there were, this was the spies' report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it's indeed a beautiful, bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, Anak was a freakishly huge individual who was a part of a clan of people who were all very large, between seven and nine feet tall, and they lived in these large walled cities. They were gigantic, huge warrior people, and the Israelites were terrified of them. But Caleb, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. The other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. But Joshua and Caleb said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land, and if the Lord is pleased with us, he'll bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of that land. They're only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. I mean, the reason Joshua and Caleb are singled out as great heroes, they were only two of 12 spies. They were leaders in their individual clans. There were 12 tribes. But the reason they were singled out is because they stood by their convictions that God was going to rescue them when the others gave up on that and things looked too hard. There's a note here, majority opinion is not a reliable measure of right and wrong. Maybe you've discovered that by now. But y'all, if we are people of convictions, at times it means we have to stand against the majority. Doing the right thing is not only always popular, not even close. Jesus said you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. I mean, this is why these uh, fellows are mentioned in the Bible as great heroes. A conviction is a firmly held belief. It's something I'm convinced of. It's not something that I say, you know, I ought to do that one day. A conviction is something you say, this is what I do. I've made up my mind. For Joshua and Caleb, it wasn't, well, maybe God could help us, I guess, I don't know, probably, I, I guess, I don't know. It wasn't like that. No, God will help us. They had seen him part the Red Sea. They had seen the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. They had seen him crush the Egyptian army. And they said, these people, even though they're bigger than we are and live in all these strong, fortified cities, they're no match for our God. We go and we go now. Their minds were made up. And as we've been going through this whole series on numbers, we've been talking about how the people of God had learned to count on God. Well, now we're seeing why God could count on Joshua and Caleb because they were men of conviction. I think God is still calling out men of conviction. In fact, I'm certain of it. Man, he wants us to develop convictions. How are we going to lead our families if we, ha- if we aren't convinced of God's word, if we aren't convinced that the promises of God are true? How can we be a powerful witness For the Lord, in our culture today, when there are so many people who openly mock the Christian faith these days, how is anybody going to take any stock in anything we say if we don't put this into practice and say, no, this is how I'm going to live. I've made up my mind. By the way, there's a note here. We have no idea what blessings we'll miss out on when we compromise our convictions. Oh, that's so true. When we know things need to be right, when we know the right way to do things, and we fudge a little bit just to fit in. I mean, everybody else is doing it. I mean, nobody else has to live to that standard. And this will make everything a lot easier if we just compromise a little. Mm. There's no telling what kind of blessings we miss out on. Well, the ten spies and the rest of the people of Israel found out what they missed out on. The Bible says, of all the Lord said, of all those I rescued from Egypt... No one who is 20 years old or older will ever see the land I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for they have not obeyed me wholeheartedly. The only exceptions are Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, son of Nun, for they have wholeheartedly followed the Lord. Now, if you take your outline and just kind of open it up, on the other side here, there's some quotations on the back page. Quotation: The second quotation is from Andy Stanley there. He said, preference is oriented toward convenience conviction is oriented towards sacrifice. The challenge is being willing to acknowledge that what you lose by sacrificing is far less than what you lose by compromise. I mean, all those those other 10 spies, they died. All their families, all the adults who were 20 years old and older, all died in the wilderness over the next 40 years. Only Joshua and Caleb actually lived to see the promise fulfilled. How do you and I know what we're missing out on? I mean, people ask me that all the time. They go, well, you know, if I compromise on this, if I cheat on this, if I pad my expense account, or if I, you know, if I just fudge a little bit, everybody's doing it. I mean, what harm is there in this? I don't know. I don't know what you're missing out on. Neither do you. I mean, that's the problem. We don't know what great blessings are in store if we just stand for what's right. Joshua and Caleb didn't know. All they knew is that people wanted to stone them. But they still stood for what was right. And it turned out that God blessed them not only with land, you'll see in a minute in the promised land, an inheritance for them, and they got to see it. Their names are recorded for us in the Bible. We're still talking about them thousands of years later. So I'm going to give uh, three challenges to, us, to all the men in the room today. The first one is this we must make up our minds to be men of purity. And you're going, well, John, what does anything we have to do that we've read so far have to do with purity? Well, this is one area where I feel like the whole culture is trying to conform men to a certain standard that isn't what the Bible holds up as manliness at all. And by the way, the scripture that, that I cite here is Psalm 101.3. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. Could I get all the men in the room to read that out loud with me, please? I will set before my eyes No vile thing. A conviction on this is to say, that's what I'm doing now, today. I will give no quarter to pornography. I will give no quarter to filthy things that mock the name of the Lord. I'm not going to watch dirty movies, suggestive TV shows. I'm not going to go to websites on my phone or on my computer that are in any way vile, dirty, or wrong. I'm done. I've made up my mind. After I became a Christian in college, turning my heart to the Lord in college, uh, many of you know, I've shared this before, I had to throw out all the pornographic magazines and things that I had collected. But I remember it was a couple of years later, after all that had happened, I was out to dinner with a friend, and uh, we were at a restaurant, and somebody had switched one of the channels on, a, it was like a, a Wings place, and somebody had switched the channels, there was some... Um, You know, swimsuit model competition that was coming on, and all these women were in the competition, were barely wearing anything, and this friend of mine was an accountability partner to me as a Christian. And he goes, Hey, John, we gotta leave. Let's go. And he got up to leave, and I kind of lingered. And he said, John, we gotta go. And we got up to the car and he said, You haven't made up your mind about this yet, have you? I went, What? I, I got rid of all that pornography years ago. He goes, No, no, no. You haven't made up your mind that you're not going to look lustfully at a woman, whether she's got a bikini on or anything else. You're not going to do this. You, you still haven't given this to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm your man. I'm sold out. If you tell me not to do that, I'm not doing it. You give me the strength, I'll follow you. Lord, you give me the ability to, to do this, I'll trust in you. Because, John, what are you going to make up your mind? I had nothing to say. Later. He prayed for me right there in the car. Seriously, when I read that verse, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. So I want to be a godly man who leads my family. And so I'm going to have filthy stuff that comes in through the internet, through the television cable, into my house. And I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to teach my kids to discern right from wrong and not to look lustfully at things. When I'm looking lustfully at things, man, this is our challenge today. A conviction is not something I ought to do. A conviction is something I'm doing now. I've made up my mind. I'm done. Joshua and Caleb, the rest of the whole country is saying, hey, we got to go back to Egypt. The other spies, their friends are theirs. All friends. They're all saying, you guys, you're leading us the wrong way. No, we're not. You can trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. They'd already made up their mind. Joshua said, all I did was give a report according to my convictions, whether it was popular or not. And the reason I put this purity one first here, you want to talk about a conviction that is not popular? That is not popular in our culture today. But God is looking for men of conviction. Brings us to point two. Joshua and Caleb were also men who were wholeheartedly committed to following the Lord. Joshua 14, 8. Caleb continues, he wants his inheritance. He's standing in front of Joshua, the only two old men left. He says, Joshua, I want my property. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever. Because they wholeheartedly, because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and Well, as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made the promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. He said, look, God kept his promise for 45 years, and he did it because I wholeheartedly served him. The life application is God is looking for men who will love him wholeheartedly. John, I just wrote that word. Why are you having me write it again? Well, Joshua said it. I mean, Caleb said it twice, so we're going to write it twice. I did some study on the word wholeheartedly. It means to follow God with your whole heart. Wow. John, you are such a scholar. I am. I am a scholar. Do you know what it means to follow God with your whole heart? No part of my heart is left in reserve. There's no hesitation. All in. I'm in. Even if the whole nation turned against Joshua and Caleb, turn against us, we can say nothing else. Even if nobody else is going along with this, here's where I stand. I trust the Lord more than I trust the strength of the descendants of Anak. I'm not trusting my own strength. I trust the Lord is strong enough. Numbers 14, 24. The Lord said, my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He's remained loyal to me. So I'm going to bring him into the land he explored and his descendants will possess their share of the land. He had a different attitude. Oh my goodness, the Lord is looking for people who will be committed to Him. Talk is cheap. That's the note there. But let me even read. I skipped over Second Chronicles sixteen nine. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. God is still looking for that. He's searching the whole earth, looking for people who will be faithful and committed to Him. You know that ad that Shackleton ran? Challenged men to step up, and there were men that couldn't wait to get there. 5,000 of them. I hope this message this morning is a challenge to us. Will I be wholehearted? Because talk is cheap. Jesus replied, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I mean, you know it's possible, even when we're talking about that purity thing, it's possible to sing all about uh, the wonderful love of Jesus and celebrate that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and then pay people money to bring programming into our house that's filled with the very sins that he died on the cross to forgive us for? Why would I pump that sewage into my living room? Why would I do it? I love Jesus, so I'm going to look at things that pull my mind far from him? Never. In fact, I'm going to be committed to knowing God's word. I'm going to spend time reading his Bible. I'm going to spend time in prayer. And that's the challenge here. Men, we must make up our minds to be spiritual leaders in our home. I hope it's not news to you that if you and I spend time in God's word every day, he will guide us through his word. He will make us wiser. He will give us insight. He will change the way we think about things. He'll renew our minds. I hope you know that if you and I pray to God every day about the problems in our lives, he'll take our worries and anxieties away. He will give us answers. He'll give us peace. He'll give us joy. And we can know all about prayer And we can know all about Bible reading, and we can know it's all good for us, and we can have a Bible that sits on a shelf somewhere, but that's not a conviction. That's not wholehearted obedience. Wholehearted obedience is to say, I'm getting up in the morning to read my Bible now. I can tell you about George Washington during the Revolutionary War, when things weren't going well at all. If the camp had to be up at 5.30, he was up at 4.30. He'd spend an hour reading his Bible in prayer every day. George Washington. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, spent two hours a day in prayer. Worked his tail off. Had a fuller schedule than you could possibly imagine. But he said, I can't imagine how I would ever accomplish it without those two hours in prayer. I could tell you about it. You can tell me stories about this. The question isn't, do, do we know of other people who did this? The question is, will I do this? Will I be a person of conviction? Will I begin reading my Bible today? Will I pray every day? Will I leave my home? How are my kids going to learn spiritual convictions if I don't have spiritual convictions? I mean, think if our kids didn't read any other books any more than what they read the Bible. Would we be happy with that level of literacy? Never. So the scripture tells us, reminds us that Joshua at the end of his life said, look, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. When am I going to make that decision? When am I going to set the alarm early so I can have some time before I go to work? When am I going to start praying? It's a challenge. It's for us today. Joshua and Caleb were men who wholeheartedly served the Lord. Nothing was going to cause them to waver. Third point you're out on is this Joshua and Caleb were men who remained faithful to God throughout their lives. Faithful. back to Caleb standing in front of Joshua again. Today I'm 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country, the Lord promised me. You'll remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I'll drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave gave Hebron to him as his portion of the land. Now, Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Previously, Hebron had been called Kiriath Arba, or the city of Arba. It had been named after Arba, a great hero of the descendants of Anak, and the land had rest from war. So here's Joshua distributing out land. First up comes Caleb. Caleb says, I want my share. I mean, Joshua and Caleb are the only two octogenarians left, okay, so he gets to go first. What do you want? And everybody's thinking, oh, he's going to pick some fertile little valley somewhere where he can grow a few vegetables, put his feet up, read a book. And Caleb goes, no. You know that uh, hill country where all the giants live? You know the capital city, Arba, named after the greatest warrior among the giants? Yeah, give me that. I'm 85 years old, but I've been eating this manna and it's really been good for me. I've been working out. I'm good. Now, I didn't even mention any of that. He said, if the Lord is with me, we'll drive them out. Here's what's so great about Caleb. And you could tell he was wholeheartedly serving the Lord. He could have taken life easy, and nobody would have faulted him. I mean, for 45 years, he wandered around paying a penalty for decisions other people made. His heart didn't grow bitter. In fact... He didn't know how many years he had left, but whatever years he had left, he wanted his life to be a shining example of what God could do through an old man. Give me the hill country. Give me the capital city of the giants named after their greatest warrior, and you're going to see what God can do. Man. Wholeheartedly sold out. God is looking for men like that today. Important to remind ourselves, Caleb placed his faith in God, not his circumstances or his own strength. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. It's also important to note that God isn't looking for amazing people he can make faithful. He's looking for faithful people through whom he can do amazing things. Over and over again, the scripture tells us this. Chose a shepherd boy to kill Goliath with a rock and a stone. Chose an 85-year-old man to go and destroy this capital city of the Anakites. In the New Testament, Paul tells us God is looking for people that the world doesn't think anything of at all so that God can demonstrate his power through them. In fact, that's what happened with the disciples when they were recognized as men that had been with Jesus. When the priests and the scribes who had sentenced Jesus to death heard Peter and John testify boldly about their faith, Acts 4.13 tells us when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. We keep thinking God is looking for some famous TV star or a millionaire or athlete or something. Man, now that person could make a difference, and God's looking for us, man. So here's my final challenge. We must make our minds to be faithful men of integrity every day. Yeah, but I don't have any city that I'm supposed to go conquer. What can I do? Well, the truth is, as Scripture tells us in Psalm 15, there's something all of us can do right now. If we want to be bold and courageous and stand out in our culture, listen to these verses. You'll see if we did these things faithfully every day for the next 45 years, oh, wow. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Psalm 15.1. Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who lead blameless lives, who do what's right, speak the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. Such people will stand firm forever. And you know how we can make a bold statement for our faith in Christ? Just being men of integrity every day. Keeping our promise even when it hurts, honoring our marriage vows, not compromising on a business deal, even if it would make more money if we just lied a little bit, not going to do it. You, think, you don't think we'll stand out? We will stand out in this culture. Well, when should we decide to do that? Today. That's the challenge. God is still looking for men of conviction. He is still looking for men who will wholeheartedly seek after Him. He is still looking for men who will be faithful. Caleb had been faithful for 45 years, so has Joshua. I mean, 45 years. That's 1973. Nixon was president. The number one hit was tie a yellow ribbon around an old oak tree. I looked it up. Since then, They'd been waiting for this opportunity. Caleb finally gets his opportunity, can pick any spot in the promised land he wants. Give me the hill country. I want everyone to know how strong our God is. Their parents and their great-grandparents, their dad and their great-granddad, they wouldn't trust the Lord. But this generation's going to learn it. And if I can use these old bones to glorify the Lord one more time, so be it. Man. I want to be like that guy. if you're here today, man, I think you do too. This is a challenge. Just like that ad for Shackleton. Journey's not going to be easy. There will be adversity. Little glory at times, but the eternal rewards are out of this world. Yeah, I'll stick with that. Women, obviously it applies to you too, but today I'm applying it to men. It's Father's Day. So I want to wrap up with a prayer, and I want us to pray for men. Some of you are dads, some of you are grandfathers. Some of you will be dads one day. Whatever the case may be, I'd like all the men in the room to stand, please. Every man to stand, please stand. We're going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every man in the sound of my voice. I pray that today you have given us a challenge about integrity. You have given us a challenge about wholeheartedly seeking after you, a challenge about pursuing purity and not settling for anything less. I pray, Lord, if we need help, we'll get it. I pray, Lord, if we need to confess to someone, we'll confess. Lord, I pray that we will not let fear stop us. We will not let peer pressure stop us. Lord, we will seek you and run after you. I thank you for Father's Day. I'm grateful you've allowed me to be a dad. I'm grateful, Lord, for every opportunity you've given me to encourage and strengthen my sons. And God, I just want to do everything you want me to do with every opportunity I have. So God, please help me. Please help these men. Give us courage when we need it. Fill us with conviction so we can stand firm, even when it's not easy. Give us a hunger for your word, Lord confidence in prayer and let us be the men of integrity who keep our promises even when it hurts we cannot do this on our own we don't even want to try but caleb said if the lord is with me i'll drive him out and lord if you're with us there's nothing you cannot do in our lives you can change us completely so please do We pray these things in the wonderful, mighty name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Happy Father.